Bring it in. We are 10 days away from Super Bowl 57, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Lots of storylines, a lot of the same storylines getting set, a whole bunch of interesting stuff uh, that's been going on there. Uh, And we will do uh, a whole conversation about that a little bit later in the pod. But we also have some NFL news that we want to kind of tackle in the first half of the pod today. And then we'll get to some, uh, you know, some of that 10 day mark. You know, it's a long two weeks, but just kind of open conversation about stuff we've heard, uh, been reading. I just watched the NFL uh, just released the conference championship mic'd up for both games. And like the 30 minute thing, it's tough as a Niners fan. I would not recommend it for you. Yeah. Um, but it is really, I mean, it's always, I know Vito, that's like one of your favorite things, but uh, so cool. the whole group is here together and Vito has a pretty massive announcement that he just dropped on us last night. Vito, do you want to share it with the people? Yeah, uh, I am. I am stoked uh, to be going to Super Bowl this year. Um, I cannot wait life. Yeah, this is a, this is a once in a lifetime thing. Obviously you're talking about Grant Kevin Sarah the whole year and, uh, and he's in the Super Bowl and his family, um, is going and I'm, I'm gonna you know tag along and um, going to watch my best friend Nick Calcaterra watch the Super Bowl and and that's like right watch the Super Bowl with your best friend is just a, a fucking bucket list to the to the extreme let alone the fact that his you're little watching, bro is playing I was gonna and, say yeah <laughs> you're watching you're going to the Super Bowl first off fucking batshit awesome but second yeah. of all you're right going to the Super Bowl with your best friend is amazing but then going to the Super Bowl with your best friend to watch his little brother play in the Super Bowl for the team in which you own property in his city and <laughs> yeah. have, have adopted as your NFC team is, uh, I don't know if that's actually true. I'm assuming it's at true. this point, it's, you, it's yeah. your NFC team. Yes. Um, it's an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable thing. And we are stoked. Just, We're going to have boots on the ground. Question is, when are you getting back? Are you, are you flying back Monday? I am flying back Monday and I will be back. It'll, it'll, we'll see what's up, but I will tell you guys, you know what I just found out last week, which you know, hope none of my coworkers who listen realize this on the flight. I've been getting the Wi-Fi packages and I can get on calls on the flight. So I might be taking the pod from the sky coming oh, back. No. We'll see. We'll see what's up. But uh, I was going to say, I don't know if I would feel bad for the people sitting next to you to have to listen to. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's you're third. talking to first class veto here. OK, uh, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. maybe take a little PJ on the way back from Phoenix. How about that? Okay, yeah. Oh, maybe just could, take it in the bathroom. You know, they'll knock on the door. <laughs> Sir, are you OK? Yeah. No, sorry. Just had some bad, uh, had some bad shrimp yeah. last night for an hour and a half. Maybe we, yeah. can, maybe we can get an early pod on Monday before the flights out. Cause I am going to be on that West coast time. So All right. we'll, we'll see, but you know, you're in mountain time, my guy, or are you going to California daylight too? savings, man? I, well, Arizona doesn't do it. So I never remember if they're three hours or two hours. It's, it's always wild. Out there. Well, hopefully, hopefully again, we'll figure something out. Um, obviously if the Eagles win, I, I mean, Monday will be a rough day for me. Uh, yeah. And if they lose, Monday's probably not going to be a super smooth <laughs> day for me either. Why are we still doing this, by the way, on Sunday? Hello. What's that? Oh, yeah. Super no, Bowl Sunday. I mean, come on. It's the, the most egregious thing ever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, the, what needs to happen is Monday is a national holiday. We that's fine. Be, that's One way day. or the other. Yeah. Well, give me, I, do it on the Saturday. I haven't, and I haven't keep worked it Sunday. Yeah, I haven't worked the Monday after the Super Bowl in years. I just know it's always up. 
And I just, everyone knows it for me. I'm done. I'm never, I'm never coming in. Well, so I was planning on taking the Monday off. Like I was, I literally was like the yeah, day one way I was, or the other. That's- I was, I was pulling up and I was like, this was like last uh, two weeks ago. And I was looking at my, you know, my work day. And I was like, do I just pull the trigger on this now while I was on a meeting? And I found out literally like finger on the button, getting ready to, to request off for that day. I found out that the host I work with at SiriusXM is off that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday after Oof. the Super Bowl. Let's so uh, probably See, the nice if there is if there is a parade, that parade will likely be Thursday, like it was last time. Um, so I more than likely would not be able to go up for the parade, but it at least gives me a solid three days of recovery before I have to get back to That's normal true. life. That's um, true. The, the nice part too about the Super Bowl is that it's fixed. It's not like any of my uh, teams, you know, that win championships on random days of the week. Um, you know, the Warriors <laughs> win on a on a Wednesday, and I have to, uh, or a Tuesday, and I have to slug my way into work on a on a Wednesday morning after I've had twenty eight beers and three cigars or something. You know, that's yeah. uh, at least you know what you're getting into on the Monday. <laughs> yeah, you knowing guys, that you guys, no, it's fixed. <laughs> I was gonna say you guys will appreciate this too. I had a I had an employee who was like, "Hey, man, he's from Philly and big Philly fan." He was like, "Hey, so." can I work remote on the 10th and the 13th? And I was like, well, it depends. What are you doing? And he was like, I'm going to go to Philly to watch Super Bowl. I'm like, fuck yeah, you are. And I was like, if they win, I'm expecting you to stay there and stay for the parade <laughs> and work remote all week. And he was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, dude, like that's, you got it. You're right. This is, this is to me and to, uh, to those of us. Like, I'll world, be there too. We can meet yeah. up and have beers. <laughs> exactly. We will work remote from there. For, we'll have half the team there, but no, it'll be it'll be cool, man. So no, it's you know, it's gonna be all, awesome. all the bosses out there. Please, please be respectful of your of your uh, football fans in, in your office. Well, and I was I was gonna save this for later, but it honestly it fits in perfect now. We're gonna get to the obviously the the big news that a year ago today we kind of or earlier this week we kind of did a whole podcast about somebody retiring, and we'll get to that uh, as well as the coaching stuff. But I do have a bit of a dilemma. JJ, what? I um. So here's the thing, right? So the bar I work at part-time, I, I pretty much just host trivia there, but it's my favorite bar. It's my like my local watering hole, little hole in the wall spot. Scotty's been there, craft beer place. It's like my favorite bar to go to. Um, Not and a sponsor, I, but they can be. The Casual Pint, <laughs> shout out the Casual Pint. There's a bunch shout of them out. across the country, uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, all over the place. If you find one that's near you, go check them out. It's a great, great spot. Um, so we go... And uh, we, I go all the time and went for, you know, a couple of years. And then uh, eventually, you know, I bartended in college and said, hey, would you want to come work? And I said, yeah, you know what? I could do it on the side a little bit, a little bit, make a little bit extra money. Um, well, they do this awesome tradition every year where the staff party is Super Bowl Sunday and it's the night of Super Bowl Sunday. So we close early and, you know, that's a ton of money that we could be making, all that stuff. They say, nope, we're taking care of our people that night. We're closing the doors at five. Everyone can come in. Everyone brings uh, a friend uh, or some family. You bring a dish and then it's it's open bar. It's pour your own beers, go behind. Cause all we really do are beer. Um, we can bring, you know, liquor, other stuff for this party, but you know, go pour your own beers. They make wings and pizza and pretzels and do the whole shebang. And it's just like the best, right? There's no other better feeling than being like, Hey, I have my favorite bar private with friends and we can watch the Super Bowl together. That's the best, right? The problem is the owner of the place is bringing his family, which involved two younger boys. Uh, mm. And then other people's families are coming along. Now it's been a long, mm. it's been a long standing thing on this pod. 
I, I try really, really hard to be as unbiased as possible. I, I make it a stance, but because when you work in sports media, like you can kind of lose that passion, that love of being a fan because it becomes part of your job. And I never wanted to lose that. So I always say I allow myself the game, right? When from kickoff until there are zeros on the clock or for whatever Philly sport there is, I allow myself to just be a fan. And then I, I def, the psychotic Philly fan version of me comes out. So boys, I, I'm, I'm torn because on one hand, I, I want to go. And I, I've already said I'm going. I've already committed to going. Uh, and I really do want to go and have this great open bar with amazing craft beer and enjoy the game with and another the, the GM of the place. She's an Eagles fan. So there'll be other Eagles fans there. Um, but I'll have to tone it down because there's going to be like younger kids and family. I'm not going to be able to throw my hat when I get pissed. I'm not going to be able to just scream fuck whenever I want to scream fuck like I do when I'm at home during mm-hmm. big playoff games. So what do I do? What's the move? You can't go. Let me tell you this right now. All right, there's no way you can watch your team in a Super Bowl and try and moderate your emotions. That that will just breed regret. Listen, I'm telling Hell, it you, it was right hard now, for us last week in the in the conference championship. <laughs> I think I, if it were me, if it were me, I, listen, and I'm also like you, Jeff. First of all, I watch most NFL games alone. There are people I don't watch NFL games with. I yeah. kicked one time out of people over for Super Bowl, and I kicked our two friends. They were talking the whole time. And I kicked them out at halftime and they thought I was joking. I was like, your house is two blocks away. You can go watch the rest of your game there. I'm not dealing with this bullshit side chatter. Like I'm, I'm intent on watching this game. And people thought I was kidding and everyone thinks I'm an asshole. And that's fine because you know what? Like that is what it takes when you're a diehard fan, you're watching a team, right? Yeah. So for you, if I, if I were you, I would say, see if you can get there. You know, if you're close enough, maybe like before the Super Bowl a little bit from like five to six, 15, or maybe like, you go, you go afterwards, if they're still going to be open, you celebrate there or drown your sorrows there. Maybe, maybe a little bit more like that. But if I were you, I, there's no way I would, I I couldn't do it. I'm with you too, Vito. And and mine was more of the superstitious variety. Like, yeah. How many times have you watched an Eagles game there? And you're going to, on the biggest game of the, of the season, that's probably the second biggest game of your life. You're going to, change up your routine oh no i I would be a wreck and on top of the emotion of the game uh man no i'm out on that i'm I'm like with Vito, man find a way to get there um in between halftime i don't know how good that show is going to be uh we'll talk about that in our preview because that'll be a prop bet uh (laughs) undoubtedly but um but before the game halftime after the game something where you're not missing anything that will divert you from your couch or wherever (laughs) it is that you regularly watch the game I, oh man see you guys both made two great points i have watched one eagles game there it was this year it was the colts game which if you remember the eagles oh, that was a rough one on a yeah. last second touchdown yeah, but they played like Hurts. shit yeah they yeah. did not play great oh uh, maybe there might be a way to finesse it the problem is it's like i'm bringing my girlfriend and bringing my roommate and they're already psyched to go um and it's not going to be a big party like it's probably going to be like 20 people so it's not like it's going to be huge um the, I'm just, I am, I'm worried. Have, I also don't want yeah. to do anything that's going to like, uh, I don't want to ruin anyone else's Super Bowl Sunday. I don't True, want to be yeah, a guy well, who's going too hard, you know, but yeah, I also know that if they, like, if they don't watch with you either, if they don't, if they've never watched a game with you, I, I, let me tell you firsthand watching a game with Jeff Gimple, a Philadelphia Eagles game is an experience, uh, <laughs> unlike any other. So 
if if they're unaware of what uh, behaviors are about to uh, to be invoked yeah. upon them, and or the suppression thereof, that's I, I don't know. Okay, man. well, here's this: What if I spun it this way? What if I went full tilt positive? Which is not how I typically watch games. But what if yeah, I just you're, you're what from if I just channeled man. that energy <laughs> and just faked positivity the whole time? Uh, but is um, your soul but the, itself like <laughs> yeah because because what you just described sounds like me last week where everything was you know okay especially in the first half everything was okay and then another touchdown and it all of a sudden it's what twenty one to seven and um and I'm sending you I, I don't know if I sent it to you guys but I sent it to a bunch of people in, a, in Niners fans probably in the chat that meme with the dog where everything's on fire and he's like it's fine everything's fine everything's yeah, fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. That's exactly how I'll be. Well, maybe because maybe this is the move. Maybe we go there for the first like quarter and fill it out. Uh, you know, ooh, that's right? that's a gamble, friend. <laughs> like we get there, right? We get there right when it like when we sh- when we can show up, say hi, do the mix and mingle, the whole thing, get a couple of drinks, see how the game starts, and be like, all right, hey, we got to, you know, I because then I. It's just tough. It's tough because I do really like, I've been looking forward to this, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I was under the impression that it was going to be all adults, not that there was going to be families there. Now that I know that there's going to be families. You know there. what you do? Here's what you do. You wait till the second half when the Eagles are up 35 to 14. You don't worry about it. You know Jalen Hurts is going to close that out. Then you go to the bar and go like, hey, we're yeah. here. Yeah. You kick open the door, you're spraying champagne already. No, don't, don't jinx. But either well, way. See, no, but that could be the thing, right? It could very easily be the, if the Eagles crews are, are playing really well, then, then I'm golden. Okay. Then, yeah. then I'm, then I'm killing, then it's happy days. But if they go down 14, nothing in the first quarter, then it's like, all right, we have to get him out of here now before crimes get committed or I, I lose my job at my property damage and yeah. then can no longer <laughs> return. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we'll play it out. We got, we got time to figure that out. Uh, let's get into the NFL news. Um, obviously I think the biggest one of the week, which uh, af- we thought was going to be Sean Payton and everything there. Um, instead, turn to Tom Brady, uh, a year to the day that he first announced his retirement, which Scotty and I were together at the first time. Um, Tom Brady is officially retired, and in his words, for good this time. Um, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a remarkable career. I, I remember us talking about this, I think, when he first came back and uh, asking guys like, Hey, like if he comes back for one more season and it doesn't work out or whatever, like, is anything, are we going to look back on this extra year and the re- first retirement then second, is that going to change the way we view him at all? And I think universally we all agree. No, but um, the second time around definitely was a little underwhelming. You know, it's, you only kind of, you get one chance at a first impression. And apparently that goes for announcing your retirement as well. Well, he, he said as much in the video that he posted where he did his long essay of, of a retirement announcement last year and you get one shot at that. Uh, and, you know, even Michael Jordan, when he came back and then retired again, the second time, um, although the circumstances were a little different, but uh, still he, he, it wasn't a huge, uh, you know, parade like it was um, after, after the, uh, the second time around. And so uh, for me, I have a, a hard time. I'll be the skeptic here. I have a hard time believing it. I texted you guys this last uh, the other day when it came out. It's like I said, I'll believe it when I see it uh, because I have a hard time believing that he gave up everything he did this year in his personal life for one season of football. 
I'm I'm on the other side, Scotty. I, I believe him. I think there was something sincere about the video. Well, and to your point, it could change, right? But today he's retired, and, and I'll say this. I really thought that video nailed it, right? I mean, it wasn't long, and he got emotional at the right time, just talking about his teammates and everything, and I wouldn't change anything, um, including this last year, which well, I think says a lot. And, uh, you know, I, about how much he loves the game and how much it means to him. And I, I, I like – Obviously, he's one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest. And um, it's just incredible uh, that we were alive and and really, you know, grew up with Brady. I think it's special. The other thing I, I, I loved about it was, yeah, maybe the season was underwhelming. But the craziest part is this son of a bitch set the NFL record for attempts and completions in an NFL season this last year. Yeah. So, like, he went out sl- literally slinging with a, an offense that they're like, we're not running. You just, it's all on Brady. You're 45, whatever. We'll ride your yeah. own. And, and, and it's just incredible in a different way, right? It's what? incredible in a volume kind of uh, yeah. metric. Even since he turned 40, man, like you look at his stats since he turned 40 in 2017, and it's like, yo, he's got a, another two Super Bowls under his belt, and he's he's probably yeah, so, the best of, of 30 of the 32 franchise quarterbacks records so that, in the league. So that point, uh, Scotty, I, I did I did get this. Uh, Field Yates hit the, uh, tweeted this, but it, it was really impressive. Tom Brady in his 20s, over two, two, 21,000 passing yards, 147 passing touchdowns, three Super Bowl wins. Incredible. Tom Brady in his 30s, 40,000 passing yards, 309 passing touchdowns, two Super Bowl wins. And in his 40s, 27,000 passing yards, 193 passing touchdowns, and two Super Bowl wins. He has three Hall of Fame resumes, one in each decade. That's from unbelievable. his 20s, 30s, and 40s. It's unbelievable. It is. Like the numbers, the numbers will never make sense, right? They're just never going to be. <laughs> I, I will say, I mean, I know it's the whole like, you know, fool me once thing. So I get where you're coming from with that, Scotty. This is it. I mean, at this point, you know, and look, I I would say this, and I think anyone, you know, divorce is a very common thing in this country. And and I think we're it's pretty common that, you know, when when there's a divorce that happens, whether that's somebody you know or whatever, there have been cracks in the foundation a lot longer than whatever you see at the end, right? I, I think Giselle, I mean, I saw recently Giselle's like modeling again for the first time in years um, and already like slamming on covers and, and killing it. Like, I think there was some some uh, work that got put into them splitting up this year. I think this was just the final nail in the coffin. Uh, the other thing, too, is I think this year, the one thing that Brady was always so good at was his mobility in the pocket and his willingness to take hits. And he could still navigate a pocket. But the one thing, time after time, every time he would underthrow somebody or overthrow somebody, skip a ball into the dirt three yards in front of the target, it's because he was falling off. He didn't want to get hit. He was avoiding. And look, the dude's 46 years old, right? If I'm, you know, I'm 27, I don't want to get hit by anybody. This dude's been doing it for, you know, God, what, 25 years? Yeah. And to that point, Jeff, like the, when he came back, he had uh, the, when he left, he had one of the best offensive lines in the league the first time. And when he came back, that best offensive line in the league got better. Uh, and so, and until training camp when everything and the early part of the season where everything fell apart. Yeah. I, I think this year just took the wind out of his sails. I was funny, Vita, you brought up that tweet. Like I was literally looking to pull that tweet up because obviously that, that, um, 
that that sets a pretty good uh, precedent here. Um, ESPN put together just Tom Brady's career by the numbers, right? So 23 NFL seasons, most games won 251, most championships, most career touchdown passes, 649, most regular season passing yards at almost 90,000, most career passing attempts at over 12,000, most career completions at almost 8,000, only player to pass for at least 100,000 total yards, uh, most games started 333, most playoff wins 35, most playoff passing yards, most playoff passing touchdowns, most playoff game-winning drives, most Super Bowl passing touchdowns. I mean, everything about him he is the longest pass in NFL history. He's tied 99 yards, right? Which is something that just happens at the longer you play. Five times. Yeah, Jalen's going to throw a hundred yard touchdown this year. Uh, that'd be pretty. I don't know if you can do that. Um, 35 career playoff wins, 19 more than any other quarterback. He doubled Joe Montana, who was in second with, six, with 16. Uh, it's just, it's the numbers will just never make sense the more you look. And it's, and a, a I lot of them won't get touched, including yeah. the, uh, including the Super Bowl count. Yeah. I, I don't think. God, 15 we'll time pro bowler, close. most in NFL, three time MVP. Um, First quarterback to start a Super Bowl win for a team in both conferences. I didn't know that. Um, just everything, everything about him is just ridiculous. And it will be that way for uh, forever, you know, and, yeah. and the numbers never make sense. But whenever I do see um, – I saw two stats or at least two things that I was kind of curious about that – because we've I feel like we've seen so many of these stats, and we talked about it this time last year um, – how many career rushing yards do you think Tom Brady has? Oof. Yeah, I'm not going to say because I have pro football rushing, reference right? up. I think I think the NFL is the yeah NFL counts it as rushing yards, right? If you get sacked, so mm -hmm. for him, uh, right around zero. No, one thousand one hundred and twenty-three. Wow. Yeah. The highest in a season was a hundred was 110 in 2002, but it was zero 43, 110, 63, 28, 89, 102, 98, zero 44, 30, 109, 32, 18. Like it's all, they're all, all but two seasons. He was under a hundred yards rushing, but that just accumulates when you play. And this year he had <laughs> negative one, um, but that just accumulates right over the years. Um, and he was always so good at getting the ball out that when he did take, you know, he never really took a lot of sacks and always played behind good offensive linemen. But yeah, 1,123 career rushing yards for Tom Brady on 693 attempts. Um, here, here's another one for you. Tom Brady has a losing record against only one team in the NFL at five and six. What team is the only team that Tom Brady had a losing record against? New Orleans. No, I'm going to go with uh, – he couldn't no. have played in that much. It wouldn't so have been 11 games, AFC. yeah. It's probably not – oh, man, that's tough. I would go with uh, – for some reason, I'm thinking like – no, that's in the conference. Miami. I was going to say Denver. The only – well, I'll say this. New Orleans was he was six and five Oof. against New Orleans over the hump. Had a boy. Denver, he was eight and six okay. against the Broncos. 
in the same division as the Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, five and six in his career against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's uh, insane that only one team has a winning record against Tom Brady. And then he was <laughs> he was 500 against the Seattle Seahawks. The Chiefs. And your San Francisco 49ers. He went two and two against the Niners and two and two against the Seahawks. But I mean, that's that's absurd, right? And of course, so much of this you have to incorporate Belichick and the and the years in New England. But you know, there was a stretch there where the 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 Patriots weren't the Patriots just because Belichick was great. Belichick gets more credit, I think, for the first three Super Bowls. And I think once you kind of got like Randy Moss era and on, I mean, we saw what happened in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. I mean, that defense was was paper thin. They were yeah, terrible. That was the highest. That was the most statistical crazy game ever. Yeah, the most yards in, in a game in NFL history. I think it was like a yeah. one thousand over a thousand yards. Yeah. Um, and Tom Brady threw for five hundred yards in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, think about how ridiculous that is, right? Yeah. And they still didn't win. Um, and, and again, like. So, so, so much of that, you got to give credit for the, the two giant Super Bowls. You can't really blame Brady. Um, mm. The Eagles won. You can't blame Brady. And they didn't even play that well in the Rams one, but the Belichick brought out all the stops in that game. And they did, you know, enough with that team to, to, to at least win. What was it? 10 to three. Is that the, was that the, the Rams, the yeah. second, second Rams, Rams one, yeah, yeah, the second <clears throat> Rams one. Um, so, I mean, look, he's the, he's the best. He's the best athlete of all time. I mean, I, he's, I think he's the best American sports athlete of all time. One I, thing I love about him and it's, you can, you know, all the stats are obviously the most impressive you can have, but one thing that I'll always remember a couple things first is when he went to Tampa, it's more recent is just the first thing he asked for was all the players phone numbers. And he want it wasn't, we see how Russ is handling his thing in Denver, Tom Brady legends of all legends was like, no, I need to talk to my guys. He's a team guy. He's a football player. He really is. And then the other thing I remember was when he got in the first time after, you know, Drew got knocked out and uh, that season went on. And it was a crazy debate between Drew Bledsoe and Belichick and or Drew Bledsoe and, and, uh, and obviously Tom Brady. And Belichick had to make that decision. And what people forget is that Tom Brady got knocked out in the AFC Championship game. And Bledsoe came in, threw a touchdown, let him down and won the game. So this was a really big toss up. And the fact that Belichick went with Brady is probably his best coaching decision of all time. And in addition to all of that, in that game, I'll never forget Brady on the last minute drive. Um, they said, Hey, we might go for it right now. It was a minute 30, right. And they're trying to get a field goal range against the Rams or go to OT and Drew Bledsoe, you know, they, he kept that relationship so good that Bledsoe, you know, um, said to him or Charlie Weiss said to him as offensive coordinator, Hey, you know, take care of the ball and all that stuff. And Drew Bledsoe came in front of him and said, fuck that, go out there and sling it. And Tom Brady, like, I mean, listen, at that point, you're probably listening to your coach, your 23 year old kid, whatever. And he just went out there. He almost got strip sacked the first play. And then he got out of it. And just to your point, that little mobility, just enough to get away and and get a four yard completion of the running back dump off, enable that drive to continue that season to continue and his, his whole career to continue really incredible it will forever be like i just he's he's unbelievable man he's unbelievable and it's i'll say this you know i obviously always respected him didn't like him for a long time what's your team beat him in a super bowl i mean there's only three teams two teams that ever did it in only three years that it happened 
you start to you kind of realize like no i like this guy you know he, you know the eagles mm-hmm. beat him so you know but you know other than that he's been pretty <laughs> pretty good um but no i mean if you're a fan of of american sports if you're a fan of football like i and it's crazy because he was our he's our generation's you know michael jordan yeah you know well, he, he yeah he is <laughs> i mean we were all i mean I saw, like i mean i saw the tail end of jordan with the wizards um obviously you you guys were both, you know, but you were both a lot younger with Jordan. Like as us as like adult sports fans. Yeah, even like, growing up, I never really watched Jordan. It was this is to your I mean, point, Brady. Jeff, we remember every play of Brady's career if you were watching. Jordan, yes. yeah. He's been a staple of football our entire life. Like I remember when I first learned about football was the 2001 season when the Eagles were in the NFC Championship game against the Rams. I know exactly where I was. I was sitting down next to my dad. And he was explaining the game to me at my uncle Bill's house in uh, in uh, Lansdale and in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Like I remember like it was yesterday, like, and that was the year Brady won his first Super Bowl. So like from the time I started learning, like I remember my dad explaining what a first down was to me. (laughs) So now, and, and now he's, it's just, it'll never, it'll never really fully be comprehended to me. Like what he's done in this sport. And what's wild too, is he missed an entire year. He missed an entire season statistically in 2009. Can you imagine what his numbers, I mean, his numbers would be an additional, you know, 4,000 yards, probably maybe three, 3,500 yards, more touchdowns. Um, It's spectacular. It's spectacular what he's done. Um, And I wish, I do wish him the best. And now We'll move to see what, you know, Fox NFL Sunday Tom looks like. Remember, he signed that ridiculous contract. Greg Olson has to be livid. I'm so excited because I don't like Greg. I honestly don't like him in the booth. I don't think he's as good as everyone else does. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan. So, I'm excited for this. Support. I I think Greg Olson is phenomenal. (laughs) I I, I honestly do. And I think Burkhart's fantastic. I I I. that's a scolding hot take. I would rather listen to Greg Olson now than like Troy Aikman. And I like Troy. I do like I, Troy, but I, I just like, I'd rather listen to Greg Olson than Tony Romo for sure. Yeah. Um, I'd agree with that. I'm, I'm stoked that Greg Olson's going to be calling the Super Bowl. He gives such phenomenal insights. Uh, and Tom, I think is going to do a really good job at that too. I mean, we've learned as he's shown more of his personality that he can be really personable. I think his voice is going to be, I think it, he's got a good voice for it. Um, that's probably the only knock to Greg Olson I could see is his voice can kind of get a little uh, annoying at some points, but I, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, and they're both obviously going to be better than, than Tony Romo, but yeah, Greg Olson definitely got screwed here because he's been putting in work for the last, what, like three or four seasons now doing that. And finally made the A crew. <laughs> yeah. Right. After Buck and Aikman <laughs> left. And now he's like, Oh yeah, sorry. You know, of all times, too, to have like Monday Night Football finally solidified, you're like, well, because forever it's always like, oh, we well, can go try it out on Monday Night Football, but yeah. uh, that's not going to happen, too. So hopefully, Greg Olson still gets some some big games, and he'll be on their B crew. It'll be it'll be all right. Um, all right. Any other Tom Brady thoughts? Again, like it's just weird. Like I feel you know we went through this whole thing before, you know, like we we did all this a year ago, and now it's back but i i think it's for real this time yeah I, we'll see him in canton in five years that That's is true it. we'll see him in vegas and uh otas that, yeah. <laughs> i mean is that part of it though like do you think because i'm actually curious about this because 
how much of it do you think is him and how much of it well, is it do you well, think look, that like he might have had interest going other places and maybe they didn't want him? No, I think I think it was going to be for real last year un- until that whole Miami thing blew up in their face with him and Sean Payton. Hmm. Um and I think that that's what kind of was like, well, now I have to go back, otherwise I look like an idiot. Um but he's a free so, agent, man. Like he I mean he he's is, good. Yeah. Like like he could have gone anywhere. Tennessee needs a I mean, could team well, up with Braves, you can go to when Jordan retired when Jordan retired the second time with the Bulls, yeah. right? He sat out a year and then you was like, you know what? I miss it. I need to go back. Yeah. And he still played at, at an elite level, not yeah. like his his three his two three P seasons yeah. or uh stretches, but like it was still on a pretty elite level. That's true. That's true. It'll be interesting to, to see and to kind of monitor. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on then. Tom Brady, gone from the NFL as a player, but he'll still be around, obviously, on TV. Um, what a journey for Kevin Burke. You think he's too. going to Canton? Jeez, I mean. Eh, maybe second ballot. Maybe second awesome. ballot. Yeah. Uh, all right, Vito, let's get to your boys here. They made a huge move, a Finally. huge move um, this week. Uh, one of two coaches hired within it seemingly was about three minutes of each yeah. other. I think was the timestamp between when Shefty tweeted out the first and the second. Uh, Shefty said it was a coincidence. Uh, Rappaport said, uh, "Nope, nope, this was totally intentional." Um, apparently, Denver was really in on uh, D'Amico Ryan's uh, over yeah. Sean Payton, which the only thing I can think there would be a you know, financial compensation thing, or, Hey, if we can get this really good coach, but not give up the assets, you know, whatever, either way, you end up with a guy who's one of the few people that you'd have hope that could fix Russell Wilson after what we saw last year. So uh, put us where you were when you heard the news and how excited you were and how we're feeling now uh, with your Broncos. Oh my God, man. I was in the middle of a meeting and it came up and I literally left the room because I was so excited. I, here's where I'm excited about. Obviously this has been a it's been out there, so I've thought about it a lot even before it happened. But the news instantly, I was like, man, I'm gonna, we're going to see a different Russ next year. We have a guy, a true leader, right? He's not going to come in and say, hey, Russ, what do you want to do? What do I want to do? Oh, that's okay. Or you tried there. Sean Payton comes in. He Everyone says he's kind of a dick in some ways, right? But he's he's direct. He's a Philly guy almost, right? He's direct. He's fucking in, like not in your face about it, but he's not going to let something slide without saying anything. Right. He's a true accountability guy with coaching and everything like that. I'm so excited for this because the other piece that a lot of people are, you know, kind of not really talking about is that um, like everyone's talking about how, what he did for breeze, right? Everyone is saying that how breeze San Diego didn't want him. They went on to Phillip rivers. He got them. They're both smaller. They exceeded, um, you know, true breeze, obviously, had a hall of fame career with Sean Payton in, in the pocket. And that's what they're hoping Russell will have with him as well. But what a lot of people aren't talking about is how, how good Sean Payton is not only just with the quarterbacks, but with the entire offensive positions, think about back to those saints teams and how every receiver they drafted just so happened to work out. Right. And then they go somewhere else and it fails. Jimmy Graham is one of the best examples. He was literally the best tight end in the NFL. And then he goes to, did he go to Seattle right then? Was that where he went for me? Yeah. Green Bay, maybe, maybe it was one of those. No, then, I, yeah, I forget. Either way, he, he bounced around. Bay, the point is, he bounced around a lot after he left the Saints, and he was always in fantasy the top fantasy tight end. All these touchdowns. Sean Payton knows how to drop schemes and get this done, and he had a great interview because um, obviously he was working for Fox. It was with Colin Coward about early in the season about what he would do if he was the coach of Russ, and he said, "What you need to do is after the meetings, he's like what I would do with Breeze." 
is after we have the team meeting on Saturday night, I get with him and I go through the play call and say, all right, after this whole week, what did you like? And you highlight like the five or six best plays they loved. What didn't you like? You know, you, you scratch those ones out. And then you start talking about situationally, like where, where they feel it's good to roll out or if there's a lot of pressure, what's a quick throw you like? And he's like, that's, that's how you have to build your play call scheme for that quarterback. And I just think the reality that Sean Payton brings, it's not all rose, rose colored glasses and everything. He brings a reality to football. He's seen a lot of football and he's coached a lot. And I am so fucking thrilled, even though we had to give up a lot. We gave up a one and a two and got a three back or something like that. It was kind of strange. And that yeah. was um, that the the one that yeah. It was, it was the one very convoluted. Was, yeah. It was the one I think they it was got our from one. Miami is, that Miami yeah. got from San Francisco. So it's the 29th yeah. overall pick this year. Yeah. So I'm really excited about all this. Even though we gave up some, the thing is that Paris Russell with uh, with Sean Payton for probably, you know, six to eight years. And the weird thing I will say about the whole demo, like I, I it's either Rapport or Shefty you're believing. I kind of believe Shefty because I don't think money is a big problem for our owners. They don't really give a shit. And the other thing is that I don't really know why you'd bring in a defensive coach to try and help. Like the issue is offense. Our defense was good. Our, our issues on offense, you need someone specifically that's going to come and deal with Russ and maybe, you know, DeMarco will probably come in and, and obviously he's a very accountable guy, you know, um, and, and, and make this all happen. But I, I just think that this is a slam dunk. I'm so glad we ended up with him. I'm glad we, we made the move to do it. I, like um, Tamiko Ryans is obviously incredible and I'm, you know, happy for him going back home, but uh, it's so excited we ended up with Sean. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it will no question maximize what he will no question maximize whatever Russ has. I do believe that the question is, and one of the things I've heard and I've heard, I heard I'm part of my takes. I've been that they kind of say it in jest. A lot of times it's tough to tell if they're being serious. Um, but I've also seen it with other places. And again, not trying to put a damper um, at all because it is exciting. And Sean Payton's an awesome head coach. I think we've, I think we've overrated Sean Payton a little bit. One been to one Super Bowl. I think he's been to two NFC Championship games. Still a really, really good head coach. But the buzz he had for years about going to the Cowboys, right? And, and all that, right? And it was like, well, one day, you know, one day they're going to fire Jason Garrett and hire Sean Payton, right? And it's like, it's been this story that's popped up, like Bill Cowher. Every year, Bill Cowher, John Gruden, same thing, right? And oh, at the the large, it's like when they say, like, hey, when you caught the fish, it was a foot. Ten years later, it was a three, it was three feet. Twenty years later, it was six feet, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a little bit of that with Sean Payton, which is not to say that he's not a really good coach and he's going to add stability and he knows how to run a uh, an organization. He knows how to be the CEO. That's huge, no question. Um, But I do think the expectations of like, hey how good is he actually going to make Russ probably need to be d- toned down a little bit only because the one thing Russ doesn't have that like Drew Brees, who is all of a sudden shorter quarterback, not as good of an arm getting up there in age, you know, there, there's been a lot of that comparison going on. The mm-hmm. one thing that Russ doesn't have that Drew Brees did was the mental side of it. You know, they can go through all the practice, the routes and stuff. Drew Brees could see the field even at six feet tall because he could do everything pre-snap. Russell Wilson has proven throughout his career that that's not really something he excels at. And this year being asked to do something new 
he didn't do a good job of it. Now that doesn't say he still doesn't have talent. That doesn't mean that he still can't be good. That doesn't mean that they're not going to work together to give him stuff that he likes to get the most out of him. Cause I think they will, there's plenty of talent in that on that, you know, Denver Broncos team. Um, I just, I'm, I'm very curious to see it on the field. And I'm just kind of like, I think it's good. I think you're going to see a drastic improvement from what we saw this year, but what, how, how far that goes, I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. I think the way it translates on the field too is like you think about the the pieces that Sean Payton had when he was uh, in the head coach in New Orleans, and it's sign, like signs of eerily similar teams, right? We talked about the quarterback situation uh, that you said, Jeff, just now, but an elite receiving core, an elite young receiving core, um, which you have, I believe, in Denver, um, and for sure have the potential for. I think Jerry Judy is is you know as hot tempered as he is as he can. If he can control that, he's one of the more elite receivers when he's on the field, plus Cortland Sutton, KJ, all those guys, man. And then you think about the 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 fifth wide receiver, and that's the running back, a guy who can catch the ball in the backfield like Alvin Kamara. I think Javante Williams, when he gets back, is going to benefit from this offense greatly. Um, and I, I think it's a slam dunk, man. I, it's, it's such a good move for for where this offense needs to be. Which I want to say I do agree with that. Like I think if, if you're the Broncos – this is the move you make because yeah. again, you're going to get the most out of Russ with Sean Payton more so than anybody else out there, unless you're taking a risk on a young offensive coordinator that you might end up being, it's the safest yet will yield the best results. And I'll add this too, Greg Dulcich. He's going to be again, one of these oh, like yeah. seven months from now when we're doing our fantasy pod, you know, we're previewing the season. I loved mm-hmm. him out of UCLA. He showed showed flashes of really, really high level play this year, and he could definitely be a Jimmy Graham type. I did look it up, by the way. Jimmy Graham went to Seattle, then Green Bay, then Chicago. Um, however, and wow. this is this is important to add too in the Sean Payton, Russell Wilson combo. The Broncos have traded three first round picks, three second round picks, and three quality NFL players for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Now, if you're the Broncos, you, you do what you need to help fix the Russ mistake, not mistake, but the gamble from Russ last year. Right. Mm -hmm. And you hope that Sean Payton comes in, turns it around. The defense is lights out. We know how good that defense is. We talked about them all year. And I think Sean Payton will be good enough to get more out of Russ to help balance that team out. Where hopefully that really strong young defense will continue to, you know, be as good as they were, at least close to that. And then with a, an offense that can actually score at least 20 points, you should see a, a higher number in the win column next year. The, the one other thing I, I really like to compare to last year, and, and to your point, Jeff, uh, he's been to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl. And I think one thing that we saw last year is Doug Peterson, you know, Super Bowl winning coach, and Jacksonville hired him, and everyone's like, oh, they Byron Lethwich, all this stuff. No, it was it was a good call to hire Doug Peterson because there's something that a coach can bring where if you have instability in an organization, like obviously Jacksonville, the most instability we've probably seen in a very long time, and he comes in and just settles things down. I think there's that aspect too from an organizational standpoint of like, hey, Nathaniel Hackett, we had some issues and everything there. Um, the team didn't do well, right, wrong, or indifferent. He, Nathaniel Hackett's gone. Let's bring in someone who can kind of settle everything down, be calm. He's not going to get too high, too low. He's just going to be a, a really centered guy like like Doug Peterson. I think there's something about that that I'm really excited about. Um, and obviously, seeing the Jags improve drastically has me pretty damn hopeful. So, yeah. uh, 
this is the, this is the start. This is the, you know, we always say like, all right, you know, how every year you go and thinking you're going to win the Super Bowl, and like, hey, we got a shot. It's starting today for me in the Broncos. I'm like, next year, man, the AFC, uh, you know, AFC West, Kansas City doesn't have it locked up. Meanwhile, they're in the fucking Super Bowl next weekend. But in my mind, I'm a delusional fan. You know, it, it will never go away. <laughs> go Birds. And so, uh, you know, I think about, uh, yeah, Go Birds. I think about uh, two, you know, the potential options if Russell Wilson isn't the fit, right? You, I've seen a lot of mock drafts before um, before the, the Broncos got Sean Payton on board. Um, and they were like, hey, you're going to end up with a guy like Caleb Williams next year, right? Um, so, hey, maybe you do that. And, you know, you you get to 2024, where it's the first time you have the opportunity to to shed some of that. that uh, and it's going to cost you. But, you know, if you're willing to eat, if the owners are willing to eat the money, um, you know, get the get the franchise guy of the future that Sean Payton wants too. I, uh Again, Sean Payton, and I do think you're right, by the way, when talking about, hey, like, what they did, how it's like the con- the connection to Doug Peterson. I do get that when you when you're talking about Sean Payton. However, what's really the difference? Like when you on paper, like if we're just looking on paper, here, him and Mike McCarthy have had the exact same career. They've been, that they've hurts. each that, been, that hurts. They've each <laughs> been to one Super Bowl. They've each won one Super Bowl. McCarthy's actually been to what, three more conference championship games? They than both he had has. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. But, but I mean, Sean Payne's had three both of had the Hall most of unlucky player plays of all time to keep him out of, of another playoff game. But just, but so just to Mike McCarthy. I mean, Russell Wilson no. throwing the touchdown pass in overtime against Green Bay. I, I look, I agree. Sean Payton's the better coach. I'm just saying on paper, on paper, it's it's not a massive difference in terms of how it's, uh, you know, how it's been perceived. Like, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Sean Payton is a better coach than Mike McCarthy. I 100% agree with that. But it just kind of got me thinking the one comp, the one championship, the going to the conference championships. Yeah, if that was mean, man. Let the guy that have was. his moment. Seriously, let Vito geez. have his moment, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I look. I like I said, it's the right move. It's the best move you can make. And I already said it's gonna make. Look, we, how how many wins did we say the the Broncos would have if they could have just scored 20 points? Right? They would have been like 11 or 12 win Double team digits. this year. Yeah, yeah. So that's good enough to get you to the Super Bowl. 100 that's good enough to get you the playoffs it's yeah. good enough to potentially win your division it's good enough not to potentially get you to the super bowl so i'm i'm not saying it's a bad hire mike mccarthy's done the same thing with the dallas cowboys the last two years but he's choked in the playoffs and i think sean payton i would rather put my money on sean payton well and that's that's something that was pointed out is like you don't need it you know, with nathaniel hackett there's the point where we had the game manager helping out from the you know all that stuff you know you don't need that you know, you don't need that when Sean Payton is the guy who kicked an onside kick in the second half to start a Super Bowl and got it. Like that's 100 You have a different mentality to your point of a coach what, on game. One hundred percent. And and look, I think this makes them. And I want to get to this next hire here too in a second. Um, mm-hmm. The non-head coaching hire that I think has been the biggest splash so far of the coaching carousel. Um, I think it puts them right up there for finishing second in the division. I really do. Um, but to do that, they would have to knock off the Los Angeles Chargers, who 
hired Kellen Moore to be their new offensive coordinator after Dallas let him go. Um, that was divisional round Sunday um, or Saturday or Sunday. I don't know. It got flown under the radar because everybody was watching the games. Um, now you know, Mike, the teams now that were Mike, still in the playoffs. Yeah. Now Mike McCarthy is going to be uh, – he's going to be coaching – are calling plays on offense. And, well, and I, odds I, are he's going to lose his defensive coordinator too. No, Dan Quinn's coming back. Oh, well, that's yeah. A no, shame. he already said he's coming back. Um, Poor guy. But yeah, man, it's it's going to be dicey in Dallas, which I personally love. I think Kellen Moore. I, it's weird. Jerry somehow picked the, the worst person I think to blame for scapegoating here, yeah. instead of Dak or Mike McCarthy, he picked Kellen Moore. And now look, Kellen Moore, I think has had a down year since he was the wonderkin, but his offense in the, in Los Angeles with the weapons, the way he's going to encourage Justin Herbert to be creative and throw the ball around. I am really excited to see what the Chargers' offense looks like next season. Yeah. Same. I initially, when I saw that, I, I got caught up in the, uh, in the couple of down years where it was just like this robotic offense that didn't really, you know, move the ball super effectively in Dallas and when it did it was the decision making of and this is where I kind of came out of that mentally was like no it was Mike McCarthy's decision making this wasn't Kellen Moore so yeah man as dynamic as as that offense was in Dallas with Amari Cooper when he was there CD um, Zeke when they were when they were cooking I mean like cooking cooking uh, I think the Chargers offense has a legitimate chance to look like that uh, as well especially as long as they keep the health of, uh, of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, right. We saw how, how much Mike Williams not being on the field and Keenan Allen for that matter, uh, yeah. affected, affected the, the, uh, play of Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, as long as he stays healthy is going to be a, a force to be reckoned with to be sure. But again, it, it all goes back to what we talked about the mental, the mental robotics that, uh, Joe Lombardi was making Justin Herbert go through. And I think if you, you open that up a little bit and I think Kellen Moore's offense can, uh, it, it's that that could be scary. <laughs> I mean, I almost forgot what I was going to say because when you said let him cook, I just have PTSD from this entire offseason. So sorry, Scotty. I, 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 I but I, yeah. I, I remembered what I got back the here. Bad verb. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> it's, it's just the fact that Dallas's offense was really fucking good the last two years. It just was like uh, you put players in position, players were open. Dak was making throws to open players. It's not like, right? It's in the NFL, that's tough. That's yeah. really tough. And, and when you can do that, you have a good offensive line. That's the one thing, you know, the chargers also have a good line and they've been building that. So I think this will translate well. Eckler is a great running back. Look, we do with Tony Pollard and, and you know, made yeah. Zeke probably Jesus. a lot more beneficial than he could have been this late mm. in his career. It's just incredible what he's done all around the offense. And, and, you know, he's not my favorite coach. I gotta say that Kellen, I, I don't know if it's actually the fact that he's a bad coach or that he was in Dallas and I just, you know, love to root against him. I think that's probably more the of it. Dallas thing. Yeah. yeah. So well, I'm <laughs> just really excited to see how this game translates. Cause I think to your point, skill players are there. You could argue that this is a more talented team from top to bottom on the offensive side. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. The line obviously isn't there yet, but if yeah. they can get close to it, it would be really impressive to see and what you can do. Yeah. They're young too, that line. So I, yeah. I think they'll be in good shape. Yeah, and they had a bunch of injuries this year. Yeah, Kellen Moore's also got kind of a dumb face. He's kind of got the Eli Manning face. Yeah. You know, that doesn't help him. Um, no. But he's obviously yeah, – but look, so like their offense – so he was offensive coordinator for four years. Their offense was top five twice, number one 
uh, in almost every category last season. And again, top 10, I think they were like sixth in total offense this year. The only year that they were outside of the top 10 was the year that Dak broke his ankle and, and missed the whole season. Even still, they were in the top half of the league. Like this guy knows how to call plays. He, he's really good at it. And Joe Lombardi's offense was so, you know, and, and, and look for as good and look, Dak's a good quarterback. I will fight yeah. to the, I'll fight. And Dak is a good quarterback. He will make mistakes. He will probably come up short in bad moments, right? It's, it's high risk, high reward. Yeah. But he's just, he's, he's a good, solid NFL quarterback, probably never good enough to win a Super Bowl. But, you know, we've seen crazier shit happen. Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback in terms of his talent and, and the way his ability to, to decipher defenses and always make the right decision. And what Kellen Moore is going to be able to unlock with bringing an offense into the 2020s, right? Like into a modern day offense compared to what they were <laughs> yeah. running with Joe Lombardi. It's going to help unlock so many different things for them. They're going to get Rashawn Slater back. They're going to get those guys that they had come in that were really beneficial. Zion Johnson was a, was a questionable pick, right? When they took him in the first round, the guard out of Boston college, he ended up playing really good football for them, right? So the younger guys are going to get their stud left tackle back next year. I think they're going to be a really, really dangerous team. The defensive side of the ball is still going to have questions, but I love the idea of Kellen Moore going to the Chargers. I think it's a home run. For sure. Um, the other thing I love too is that it kind of keeps Brandon Staley in, in check a little bit. There's been nobody on that staff that has has ever questioned him, and everybody's just flying blind because it's his first time as a head coach too. So like a guy with that experience level of Kellen Moore to be able to to check Brandon Staley a little bit. I think they're uh, probably like two years apart in age. Yeah, yeah, but like the experience level. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, like Kellen Moore, but Kellen Moore was even a young offensive coordinator. You know, like he was really, really, he was one of those first really young guys who got promoted. Because remember, he went from being a backup quarterback on the Cowboys to then quarterback coach the next season to then offensive or coordinator within like two years. Like he made that jump super fast, kind of like Staley. Now, to your point, Scott, he – He's gone through a coaching cycle a little bit longer, but Staley actually has more coaching experience. I think they just got to work together. And what's nice too, and this is kind of what we saw Sirianni do, right? Which I think Brandon Staley had his fingers in too many pots, right? Yeah. He was kind of reaching into too many things. And Sirianni, and this is one of the biggest things he's done as the head coach of the Eagles, is just he's, put, he's taken back, right? He's like, I'm going to focus on managing the game, making sure we run it, being the CEO, right? Being the CEO of that team he, on he the sidelines, the fuck and he's letting, doing. <laughs> yeah, he's told us this, he told them this. So, um, Brandon Staley, I think, has just had his his hands caught in too many cookie jars, and I think now the offense can be entirely Kellen Moore, right? And then Staley can help with the defensive game planning, and then focus on just being the head coach of a football team and making the decisions up at the top of the you know patrolling the sidelines, being the head honcho making um that decision uh we're gonna take a quick break but before we do that we do also have to touch on the other head coaching hire uh D'Amico Ryans your defensive coordinator Scott I know it's a bummer he's been awesome for you guys came up coaching in your system what can you tell Houston fans uh what can they expect out of their new head coach D'Amico Ryans I'd be encouraged he's one of the brighter minds uh on especially on defense in the league and then you know being with with Kyle and and that offense for Mike McDaniel too, for the last, I don't know, uh, I think five or six years that he's been on staff. I think that's going to benefit him greatly. Uh, and he knows how to put good people around him. And, and beyond that, he knows how to lead and coach 
Fred Warner, who's one of the best linebackers in the league, um, in in his post-game conference, when he realized it was the last really game that he was going to be working with D'Amico, was like, that dude taught me everything I know. And, and, you know, nobody really knew Fred Warner coming out of college, and and we see the level he's on now. Uh, and that was – he attributed it all to D'Amico. So uh, Houston got a good one, and uh, I'm, I'm sad to see him go. I, he's one of uh, – I was sad to see Robert uh, Flores go um, as well, but uh, – uh, Robert Sala. Uh, Sala, sorry, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm just uh, just really happy for for him. He deserves uh, he deserves to have a head coaching job, and I think he's he's going to a spot where he's familiar and and he'll be able to turn around. Uh, I hope some of the, some of the ineptitudes of that franchise. He's now the third of the Shanahan coaching tree. Sala McDaniel, Sala McDaniel, and now and, yeah, D'Amico. and now D'Amico. So pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Uh, Vito already. Your yeah. thoughts here, Demi- I know you got to run here in a minute. So your thoughts here on D'Amico on, on your way out here, buddy. Yeah, um, listen, it's again, it seems like this guy brings accountability to an organization. I just, I'm glad they they committed a, a lot more time. I think they gave him six years. And what's awesome yeah. about that is the fact that they've had, you know, single coach fired, you know, coach with one year, fired them. And then again, last year, same deal. Hopefully this brings a little more stability to that organization who, Hasn't really had any since Gary Kubiak was their head coach for a little bit there. Like, it's just, I don't know what's going on down there, but they need to figure it out. Um, And I hope this is the first step in making this franchise relevant again. Um, They were the last expansion team in the NFL. And they kind of came up, went down, came up, went down. And uh, I really hope that they can turn it on and, and, you know, actually become relevant in the AFC South again. Because, um, you know, Houston is one of the biggest cities in the country. Yeah, and they're they're top five, and it's just that that I know people down there want a great football team. It's in Texas, right? We know about high school Texas football, all that stuff. They live and breathe it. So to have a good NFL team would be really good just for the sport. Um, I hope he can help them bring it. Yeah, I mean he's a no nonsense guy. I mean he, he, but he's also young. You know, it's not like he's the old yeah. school guy going to come in. No, like he, I think he knows how to communicate with players. He loves his guys. He knows how to coach. He's really good at it. He was like always on, like he was two-time pro bowler. Um, played for the Eagles for a little bit after he played for the Texans. I mean, he played for the Texans for the majority of his career. Um, and that franchise is tough, right? Because it's all starts with ownership at the top and yeah. it's not a great ownership group. Uh, and it's really hard to succeed there. Bill O'Brien, we saw have continued success, but the mistake that ownership made was telling him he had to be the GM too. Right. Bill O'Brien, the head coach was a damn good head coach. Bill O'Brien, the GM and head coach. That's way too much responsibility. Right. That was too much for him. And Billy O really hasn't had much of a chance since I know he was the head coach of Penn state there. Um, Or was that reversed? That was was before Penn state. And then, okay. Um, He went back to the Alabama, you know, school of, uh, of coaching there with Nick, with Nick Saban. So, uh, but now he's back with the Patriots. He's back with the Pats. (laughs) So you can win there. You can build a sustainable team there. They are obviously in a really good position. Chicago is going to sell that first pick to the highest bidder and probably get someone's going to end up taking a quarterback. But I have a good feeling that uh, we're going to see the Houston Texans draft a quarterback this year, start building towards a future with D'Amico Ryans. And and there aren't many people that you would say, like, hey, like this guy. But even when he was a player, you knew he was going to be a good head coach. And what he's done with that San Francisco defense, which, yes, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, they're great. Uh, and Nick Bosa is great. But, you know, you're really only talking about, like, 
three Pro Bowl guys right. and then a bunch of other really solid talent. And so and, much of what he does is scheming and game planning. And, and exactly. he's going to be able to bring that, I think, to uh, to Houston. Vito's got to run. Vito, thank you for coming and hopping on, buddy. Thanks, uh, boys. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday, on Monday. So, uh, good. so be good. We got a bunch of stuff coming next week. Any other stuff there, Scotty on D'Amico? Obviously, again, you watch him for the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I just to to add to your your point about game planning and scheming, like that's that's what he does, and he and he did well with the adjustments on the on that side of the ball with Kyle on offense as well, and, and you know every every single game. This is not an exaggeration. Every single game had a a, a different play sheet. Because he was so adept at coming up with how to beat your team, um, and his play his playbook was so deep that he could just pull from it, whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And I think this is part of why you see the Jets' offense, and of course personnel goes into it. Uh, why the Jets' defense rather is is so good so quickly because Robert Sala was doing the same sort of thing, um, and, and and I think that's that's going to be a huge part of what he takes to that side of the ball. This is a Houston team that hasn't been good on defense since he was there, really. Yeah. And and so with the with the young guys that they're bringing in, and I'm sure they're going to invest heavily on that side of the ball in the draft as well. Besides quarterback, uh, we saw them get Stingley last year was the best corner in the draft. But uh, beyond that, I, I think that they invest heavily on that side, and I think he's going to bring that that uh, that keeping a guessing element to uh, to Houston as well. Yeah, I'm very curious. I think it's going to – two things. I'm very curious to see who he hires on his staff. Yeah, for um, sure. That's going to be a big part. But I think it's going to be a very similar trajectory to what we saw with Robert Sala, right? I think I think he's going to struggle next year because he's not going to be – he's personnel, not going to be – though, yeah. You know? like part of it's personnel, for sure. Um, but the other part of it is he's not going to be the guy scheming everything up defensively. He's not going to have time to do that. You, you, as the, as the head coach, right. you don't have to, I mean, your fingerprints are all over it. You have your touches on everything, but the, the one and done, like I, I only do this guy now becoming, I mean, Brandon Staley, we've seen that these guys who are these wonderkins. That's what's made it so impressive with what Mike McDaniel's done is I think Mike McDaniel has the self-awareness to be like, Hey, like I'm, and, and his front office did a really good job of loading them up with pieces. But he said like, Hey, I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. And their defense underperformed this year. They fired their defensive coordinator. They just hired Vic Fangio to be the uh, defensive coordinator there in Miami, even though there was a chance he was going to go to Denver. And, and just well, today, San Francisco, too. <laughs> and yeah, and then just today he decided he's staying there with, with San Francisco or with uh, with Miami. So, it, you know, that's going to be great for, for Mike McDaniel. Like, hey, I'm going to be all over the offense. We're going to hire a guy who's a head coach in the league who can be there, run the defense. Uh, and I'm really curious to see what D'Amico does, right? Because I think if anything, you you want him to have his hands on the defense more so, but you have to bring in somebody that you trust to run that offense. And part of being, uh, you know, a young head coach in the NFL is figuring out what that balance is, right? Sirianni wanted to call plays. He had never called plays before as an NFL coach when he went to Philadelphia, right? He was the offense coordinator in Indy, but Frank Reich was still calling plays. He goes to Philly. He tries to start calling plays. He was terrible at it. As soon as he hands the reins off to Shane Steichen, we started seeing the Eagles winning games, right? And since then, that's when that streak started where the Eagles have lost like four games since Steichen's been calling plays and, and they're 25 and four, whatever that crazy record is. So I love D'Amico. I think next year is going to be a challenge. Personnel is a big part of that. Um, but you did see a team that was willing to play their asses off for Lovey Smith. And I think they're going to play their asses off for D'Amico. 
and they need a quarterback. You know, if, if CJ Stroud falls to you at number two, someone takes Bryce Young, I think you have to be stoked about that. You know, even if you come in playing, um, you know, somebody up where you're playing Davis Mills, right? And then you let CJ kind of get more and more comfortable and let him kind of come up on his own way. Uh, I, I think it's going to work out. But I love draft talk. I know it's what's the Super Bowl? You're you're in the Super Bowl. I'm still in football season. Yeah, I need the the off seasons here. I'm excited for (laughs) draft talk, but I'm in. I'm still in football season mode, so I can't fully disconnect there yet. Um, (laughs) But he's going to need. You know, he's going to need some help, right? And and part of that's going to come from the coaching staff. Some of that's going to come from. Uh, obviously what they do in the draft and if they're able to attract anybody in free agency, they're obviously very low under the cap so they can go out and spend this off season. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but I think it's a great yeah, it's hire a good situation too. Yeah. I think. And, uh, and then obviously we talked about Carolina hiring Frank Reich. You know, I think we, I, I said, I liked it. I like it cause I like Frank and I think he had, a, he was in a tough spot. Do I think it's the most sexy or amazing hire? I don't, I, I you know, it's pretty milk toast for what I was expecting out of Tepper there in Carolina, but you know, it is what so it how, is. How many spots does that leave? Uh, I believe that just Arizona leaves, uh, two. Yeah. Arizona and Indianapolis. Um, Indianapolis has, is going to have a second interview with Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator. <laughs> really, sure. really, really hoping that uh, we can retain Shane. Uh, Jonathan Gannon all but confirmed to be coming back to Philly, um, but would really like Steichen because Steichen's kind of been a huge part of that offense. Um, But I think he'll make a really, really good head coach. Uh, And that's what everyone out of Philly saying is like, yeah, this guy's a head coach in waiting. Um, But we'll see what happens there. And then Arizona, uh, they interviewed Mike Kafka, the offense coordinator from the New York Giants. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we'll see, I, I think there's going to be some interesting moves here over the next couple, you know, a, a couple of weeks, my guess is, um, and this is tended from what I've heard and, and done some reading on, it's been a trend in the NFL this year in particular, which is this for years, it was like a rush, right? Cause you wanted to get your coach hired before the combine before it's like the senior bowl is going on as we speak. And there are teams that don't have a head coach or a scouting department or, you know, and you're like, you're missing out on valuable potential players. But I think teams are realizing, hey, we'd rather wait until the end of the Super Bowl or we'd rather wait, uh, you know, and, and pick the guy, get a deeper pool of interviewees. Instead of interviewing four guys or five guys, we're going to interview, interview 10 guys and then do another round where we bring back five guys. And then hopefully from that, we can pick somebody that we feel comfortable with, uh, even if that means, hey, we're going to miss the, the, the senior bowl and, and we'll go that way. So uh, we're down to two, Arizona and Indy, and uh, I'm sure that news will come out here at some point over the next couple of weeks. So uh, when that does, we'll have the same conversation about those two options, obviously two very different situations, um, but also in two interesting situations as well. So, uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to do open air, Super Bowl talk, things we've heard, things we're feeling as we get to 10 days before the big game here uh, on, it'll be on Fox. <sighs> 10 days, man. This week is going by faster than I thought, but we'll see. We'll get there. Take a quick break. All right. So we're in this weird middle ground with the Super Bowl, right? So because every time I call it's, it it's, purgatory, <laughs> it is it is a little bit of football purgatory. You're in between, you know, like I, I want the Super Bowl to be this Sunday so bad because I just I'll, I'll let everybody in. Right. So my brain has been going back and forth between 
irrational confidence and absolute like dread and terror. Like there's just, the and there's worst just fears. Yeah. yeah. There's just no middle ground behind it. Um, but that being said, you have so much time that it's kind of impossible not to. It's like, I listen to one podcast or I read one article or I look up this one stat and then I'm like, Oh shit. I think the Eagles are going to, I think I feel good about the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to win. And then I hear another one right after that. And it makes you go, Oh fuck. You know, like, do you want to hear this crazy stat? One of the craziest statistics I've heard ever in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, right? I don't know if it was his whole career um, or it might've just been since he's been a starter, but do you know how many fourth quarters he has been a, uh, a, a one score under or how many games he's been a one score underdog in the fourth quarter, like down, like, like down by one score in the fourth quarter. And his, I, I believe it's his entire career start. I'd have to look up how many games he's played, but. Um, seven. Uh, I believe it's three. Oh, wow. <laughs> I believe it's a 97 percentile. Jesus. Yeah. Like it's, it's an absolutely. Yeah. So he's played 94 games, 91. He's been down by a score in the fourth quarter. Sorry. Not, oh, I, not, a, I was not going a full, on. not a full score. Uh, like a, um, like two, two. At least, yeah. So, and one, one of them was the Bills in 2021. One of them was the uh, Super Bowl against Tom Brady in the in the Bucks, and then the other one was a random game against the Titans last year. Those are the only games that have been a two possession. Uh, he's been down by multiple possessions in the fourth quarter in his entire career. Right. Like just one of the most absurd statistics I've ever heard in my entire life. And I'm sorry, I kind of fumbled through it. I didn't write it down. I had to relook it up. Um, just unbelievable stuff. Well, I was using home. just sheer volume of like, I figured he was up around a hundred games. Yeah. Um, so you're like, ah, you know, five or six. Yeah. No. Cause he's just always stays in games. Right. He just doesn't get blown out. And you know, one of the things that's made me feel good is like, all right, well, the Tampa Bay game, right? In the Super Bowl, right? Well, they got they got blown off the ball. They played a really good defensive line. They played a good secondary, you know, a team that could run the ball really, really well. And a good obviously Tom Brady, not Jalen Hurts, but you know, a good quarterback with good weapons on the outside. And then you're like, yeah, well, is is it likely that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are gonna lose a second Super Bowl in the exact same way? No, of course not, because Andy Reid came back and addressed all of the problems that got them beat in the first Super Bowl, right? Patrick Mahomes, oh, last year, oh, he's dipping, you know, oh, and then he loses Tyreek Hill. Oh, the numbers, they're not as good as they were. He just turns around and, and quarterbacks the best offense in the NFL. He's the number one quarterback in the NFL, and he does it all without having Tyreek Hill. Yeah, but, to, I mean, to that point, on the Eagles' side, we watched, the last time we watched them before the season started was them getting their – absolute lights lit out yeah. against Tom Brady uh, in, in the, in the wild card game. So, um, well, the last time these two teams played Tyree kill 183 yards and three touchdowns. Right. And the Eagles got there. There was only one other game that was more uh, all uh, to put it in a weird kind of way, offensively perfect. 
right? Like if you graded offensive performances, the two best graded offensive performances in NFL history were the uh, Eagles losing to the Chiefs. So the Chiefs offense against the Eagles last season in 2021. And then the Buffalo New England game, which Buffalo scored a touchdown on every single possession. Like, so literally, like, that is how dominant the Chiefs were in that game. Now, of course, Tyreek Hill makes a world of difference in that game, and the Eagles' defense is significantly better than it was then. But Gannon's struggle is against really, really good quarterbacks, right? Like, the best quarterback they've played this year was Dak, and Dak lit them up on Christmas Eve. Other than that, it's Jared Goff, who played really well against them in week one. Um <laughs> And then uh, there's a few, there's a couple other ones on that list too. I, I, it's just, it's just, there's so much getting thrown at you in these two weeks because then I look at the Eagles numbers and I'm like, yeah, well the pass rush, the, the Eagles are significantly better on both lines of scrimmage, right? The Eagles are a better defensive line, better offensive line. Chris Jones is an absolute freak of nature. And yet I'm still not worried but, about him that much because the Eagles offensive line is. Yeah. That you still have two of the best interior offensive linemen in the league. Yeah. <laughs> and now Landon Dickerson did hyperextend his elbow. He left yeah, the game against to play the Niners, there, they said. but he should be good, but he's probably not going to be a hundred percent, which hurts. I would much rather him be hundred. Cause like, listen to this. J- Chris Jones led all defensive tackles and pass rush win rate at 21.5% when playing at that position. What's crazy about that is he did that despite being double teamed at a league high 69.2%. And he was, still had no postseason sack. True, yes. <laughs> I mean, but again, throughout the whole regular season, number one in D-tackle at pass rush win rate, but was also double teamed 70% of the time. I it, There's so much. I'm Again, I'm not terrified. I'm terrified of Mahomes. I'm not worried about the Chiefs' defense as much because the Eagles will be able to run away from Chris Jones if that's what they have to do. And I think they're going to be able to throw on this team too. Jalen has to play well. I'm worried about Jalen's health. I'm worried about Jalen potentially laying an egg in the Super Bowl. Like there's, there's just a lot that I'm worried about with this Eagles team, especially when you realize you're playing Patrick Mahomes, who just doesn't make mistakes. He'll make one or two, and you have, like, the ball slipping out of his hands, right? Or, or the one interception he throws. Like, you can't drop them. You have to fall on the ball. You need all the bounces to go your way. Because otherwise, Mahomes is stepping up, and he's coming right back after you. No matter how good your pass rush is, the Chiefs' offensive line is still really good. So, I, I'm, I know I'm just word vomiting right now, but that's kind of where my brain is at right now, which is just this constant state of back and forth. And I have no idea what, um, <laughs> like, what to think or feel or do. Pro, Pro Bowl week, Jeffrey. Uh, listen, I <laughs> we oh we didn't even touch on that. We we're going to talk about the AFC quarterbacks of the Pro Bowl. Um, but like, uh, man, no, I I think you're right. I think look the the games we saw Mahomes struggle this year, and look, he's a he's a he's different, right? We we all know that already. Um, it's not just a script. Like he's gone out and proven that he's different. Um, but the games we saw him struggle were against like defensive lines that, for as good as their offensive line is, he, they were just getting beat at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like the game plan for the Eagles has to be similar to what it was against the Niners: is just beat them off the line of scrimmage, beat them in leverage, and, and go get them. If even if you're not sacking Mahomes. Because we know how mobile he is, even on one ankle, um, right? Uh, I think if if you 
and then you have to trust your your secondary to be able to make the the coverage stuff that we talked about that they did uh, in the conference championship that they did successfully and, and man i think i think this is a game if i'm being an objective uh observer where i think you can force mahomes into mistakes right and I'm not saying that to to stroke your ego or 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 make you feel good or or whatever. I I genuinely think that at even at the highest levels, um, as good as Mahomes is, I think that there's something to be said about how you guys got there, how the yeah. Eagles got there, and and I I I genuinely think, and that should be part of Sirianni's locker room speech, and it usually is from from what you've said on the, on this very podcast, but um, I genuinely think that you play the game in front of you and how you got there. And, and you're going to be, you're going to be in good shape. I think. I, I think so. But again, like Patrick Mahomes is the great equalizer, you know, like no, no matter what you do, even if you, you play a great game, Mahomes can like the Bengals, the Bengals played a really good game last week and Mahomes still, on one leg, made the play with his legs and forced Joseph Asai into a really, really dumb decision, right? Because that's just what Mahomes does. He makes plays and forces you into bad decisions. Now, the one thing, and this goes to your point there, is like the Eagles pride themselves on just being the bullies. You know, like they, the Eagles are the toughest team out there. Every single matchup they go up against, they're the tougher team. They did it against San Francisco last week. They've done it against every single team they've played this year. They are the tougher team, and they're not afraid to smash you in the mouth. And that's that's kind of what Jeff Stoutland has built this team around is this idea of, hey, we're bigger than you, we're stronger than you, and we're going to run it down your fucking throat, and there's nothing you can do about it. And if you do that against this Chiefs team, which you can, especially given the injuries, I mean, that's a huge part for Kansas City too. Kadaris Tony, Juju, McCole Hardman, uh, Willie Gay, Legereus Sneed, all those guys left the an AFC Championship game. And I would expect some of those guys to be back. I would also expect some of those guys not to be back in time for the Super Bowl. And I would also suspect that those who do come back are not going to be 100% healthy. And that's why I, th- I think the Eagles are going to be fine offensively. I really do. As long as they protect the football, right? Can't turn the ball over. Jalen can't make bad throws. Take the easy check net. Like I because I was re-watching yeah, the Bengals, the Bengals Chiefs game today. And part of what hurt the Bengals in that game were Joe Burrow forcing passes, right? The deep ball that got tipped in double coverage because the drive before that on that second interception was the deep ball in double coverage on fourth right. and sixth of Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase made the catch, huge play. Joe Burrow went back and did the same thing on the next drive, and it got intercepted. Oh. But, which is likely to happen when you're throwing the but, double coverage. So Jalen can't is, make those mistakes. Ex- what has Jalen been the so good at this year? He's been I, good I mean, at part, that, but that exactly. doesn't mean he's, that he's it's good not, at giving what he's been or taking what he's been given. For for sure, right? And again, I think the Eagles are that's going to be the game plan in there. But it's the Super Bowl, right? This the second there's an option, if Jalen, I mean, and and I think too. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like I, I look at like the overthrow to AJ Brown. If you miss that, the miss is out, right? Miss it long so it doesn't get intercepted. The throw out of bounds on the deep ball to A.J. Brown, right? If you're going to miss, miss it outside. He obviously hasn't been dialed in on the deep balls. And then the one decent deep ball was the one that was a little underthrown to Devontae, and Devontae you know, wasn't able to pull in the catch, even though he, he probably could have. Um, I, it, to me, it's like 
you have to threaten the the passing game early. You have to get AJ Brown and Devontae Smith going early to at least force the Chiefs to respect that. And then once you get down there, you put up some points, then you can start running it down their throat. And and the big thing is too, and Shell Kapadia said this, I was listening to him earlier in the week, and he said, don't confuse the idea of time of possession with the number of drives, right? Mm, every every yeah. drive that you give the ball to Mahomes is another opportunity for him to do something special, right? He doesn't need time, right? He doesn't need, you know, 10 minutes not have the ball in his hand (laughs) exactly right and how and how do you do that right by getting them off the field playing sound coverage and getting pressure after him if his ankle is feeling up to the fact that he's going to be scrambling and the Eagles defense actually sets up well against the Bengals right or against the Chiefs because the Bengals do this too the way the Bengals have defended the Chiefs in these last four games where they've played them really well well won three of them lost the one is their defensive backs play with their eyes in front of the quarterback in front of them, right? The quarterback in viewpoint, meaning they're playing zone. If you're playing man, the the guy playing man is not keeping their eye on the quarterback because Mahomes is going to beat you with his legs. The Eagles secondary and their zone coverage is going to force the secondary to keep everything out in front of them to watch what Mahomes is doing. The problem with that is Travis Kelsey is still really, really good at finding holes in zones, but that's where the off stuff with him and Mahomes is so good. That's where I think a guy like CJ Gardner Johnson helps you so much mm-hmm. because he, what he was able to do to drop in into the middle of the field between the numbers where the Niners are so successful. Um, this is before Brock got hurt and we were just running the ball. Uh, but what he was able to do to, to drop in and help on that, that coverage between the numbers was elite stuff. And I think if you take some of that away, even I'm not saying, you know, don't limit, like the high level stuff, like don't limit or you have to limit to Kelsey to under hundred yards. I don't even think you have to do that uh, or limit Kelsey to, to uh, like red zone stuff. You don't even have to do that. Like I think what a guy like CJ Gardner Johnson does is help eliminate that play from being the first down they need to continue driving down the field as Mahomes is so good at doing. Yeah. And, and- I think the Eagles, and you're right, C.J. Garner-Johnson is going to be a great piece for that. I also think Avante Maddox, Maddox yeah, and coverage yeah. is going to be really big. Like, And giving him two weeks to make sure, because he was good enough to play in the a- NFC Championship game, I think he's an underrated player in this too, right? Because he played well, you know, and he made a, a couple of big plays. He's really good in the blitzing game too, because I think you're going to see a couple of delayed blitzes out of him where the Eagles are going to play that overly protective zone, right? Whether it's four deep, you know, you're, or, or you're dropping back, TJ Edwards and Kazir White, but you send that delayed blitz with Avante and he gets a free shot at Mahomes or at least makes him feel that pressure. Like those plays are going to be really, really important. And Avante Mm -hmm. had a couple of plays. I think it was in the Dallas game, which was the first time he came back from injury where he had, yeah, because it was the play he got re-injured on. He had a wide open shot at Zach, sorry, at Dak. Hit him and just didn't bring him to the ground, right? Just a really bad tackle. But if he makes that sack on that play, I think it was a fourth down play or it was like a third and long play. Instead, Dak able to convert it. The Eagles probably win that game, right? And that was earlier on in the game. But that's the kind of stuff that you can do with Avante. But he needs to make the plays. And that's the thing. It's like the Eagles defense, you basically have, whenever you take your gambles, whenever the plays where you can take yards back from the Chiefs, get the ball back from the Chiefs, you have to to capitalize you have to take the ball out of his hands in any opportunity that you can and if it's on a third down delayed blitz we saw him do that um 
against the he had a big tackle for a loss i think it was on christian mccaffrey in like the third quarter of of the game against the niners right so if, if he can make those tackles and bring a guy like mahomes down especially if mahomes is a little hobbled or re-aggravates that ankle i do feel good about the eagles in that situation but there's just a lot there's a, there, there's there's so much that scares you a lot of about patrick pieces. mahomes yeah right uh kelsey mahomes that scares you i feel pretty good though um the the game tape of james bradbury against Ayuk uh early from early in the game and then even later in the game wasn't great uh he also got matched up against kittle at one point and kittle yeah. cooked him it was actually the play that purdy got hurt on at, in the all 22 look james bradbury got cooked by george kittle and that would have ended Which up being like a 30 yard play yeah yeah 100 because he was he was open by five yards and purdy was was on his way to make that throw but again, that's where the Eagles pass rush comes in, yep. which is like, hey, as long as you can get after the quarterback and look, Andrew Wiley, the starting right tackle for the Chiefs, he's a decent player. But if you're going to let him go one on one with Hassan Reddick all game, that's going to be a problem. You can't go. You can't really double team any of the guys on the Eagles with your offensive linemen. Right. Because they're because if you double team one like somebody else is coming in untouched, you're going to need help from Kelsey or, or whoever the backup tight end. I yep. forget his name. For Kansas City, he's going to have to help in the blocking game. And then one of the keys I had to the AFC Championship game, like Jarek McKinnon, right, being in, being the personal protector there for well, that's uh, the for, for Mahomes. The thing too is you can put one of those linebackers on a spy on on whatever guy Pacheco or McKinnon out of the backfield. Are you going to block and be able to help with the with the rush, or are you going to spy him in the backfield? Uh, and, and make sure that he doesn't do damage to you on the, uh, like, on the rollout out of the pocket. Um, yeah. So, so I think that that too. The other thing when you're talking about lines, the depth for Kansas as good as their their ones are on the O line, that depth is is not nearly where the the Eagles' depth is on uh, on on either defensive or offensive line. Yeah, I'm curious too how. Kansas City is going to deploy Chris Jones because um, they'll move him around on that defensive line. And I think there's a good chance they're going to try to send a, him because the one thing that I think has has that Lane Johnson has struggled with a little bit um, with this injury has been the bull rush. Right. And again, he's got two weeks to hopefully get stronger and feel better. But Chris Jones coming on a bull rush, if you're going one on one with Lane, fully healthy Lane, I'm taking Lane Johnson. Sure. But but then again, like that's the thing with the Eagles, the Eagles offense all year is like they haven't struggled going up against elite pass rushers, I, not just because the offensive line has been so good, but because they scheme for it, yeah. you know, and Jalen's done a really good job of knowing yeah, I mean, where, look, knowing where Nick, Micah Parsons is, knowing where Nick Bosa is, knowing yeah. where Chris Jones is going to be and avoiding that. Yeah, they took Micah Parsons out. Nick Bosa had one sack, uh, which was almost two points, but uh I'm just trying to get silver linings out of this season. Don't listen to me. <laughs> well, but I, like, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised either if the Chiefs were content to let Karloftis go off the edge, um, uh, Frank Clark go, and use Chris Jones as the guy that could get a push. But like, hey, we're in the face of the quarterback. I'm putting my big paws up and making sure Jalen doesn't hit that throw. Um because they've used them that way before. Um, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if that's the, the defensive game plan either. And if that well, works early, that's. 
and, and we bad. saw this we saw this against the the Niners too and, and we've obviously talked about it with Mahomes but that's scrambling ability you know that's scrambling yeah, uh, yeah. ability I was like hey everything broke down but Mahomes still beat you for you know for five yards or ten yards or whatever it is Jalen Hurts gives is you just, that smug like look well, at me just, <laughs> I love Mahomes like it's gonna suck I do it's too like, but I it's hope like it's like rooting perishes. against Steph Curry for me like it's like I love Steph I never want to have to root against Steph in, a, in an NBA finals um but Can with Mahomes imagine? like everyone Sixers, talks about Warriors my, <laughs> I'm not my brain is not there yet Scott we would die <laughs> um but Mahomes like He's so good at that. And everyone talks about it because he's so lethal with his arm. That's like, oh, and of course he has this. So it's like, well, yeah, the Eagles running game is so dynamic. No one's been able to stop it. Jalen Hurts has been really good throwing the football. Oh, yeah. And he can also break the pocket and beat you for 15 yards easily. Break tackles that Mahomes wouldn't break because Mahomes are like scrambles and slide and it's 11 yards and it's a backbreaker on third and 11, you know. But I think that's where the read option helps you because you can – and the Eagles have done this. It's not just a run read op, like a straight zone run read option, right? There's the the screen looks to the wide receiver. There's there's the options to to for like mid zone slants to the wide receivers. On those option plays, it's not just do I give the ball to Miles or or do I keep it, uh, Jalen Hurts, and, and take what what if the if the defensive end drops like I'm running. Like the, those are the dynamic things that I think can beat the the chiefs in the, in the re option game. I think this, I think another big part of this too is going to be the red zone because the chiefs, which is terrible not, red zone defense. They're horrible. And the thing is, is like, they've been kind of the classic spags defense where they've gotten better as the year has gone on. Um, but not only have they struggled in the red zone, the chiefs defense has allowed a 54.4 QBR this season, which is the third worst in the NFL against opposing quarterbacks. Um, and they were at the, I'm just reading this from, uh, from ESPN. Uh, they also allowed touchdowns on 67.3% of drives. Um, sorry, 63, 67.3% of opponent trips inside the 20. So once you get oh, into Lord. the red zone, 70% of the time they give up touchdowns and that is, 30, that is 31st out of 32 teams. In that's the money in the bank, man. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, the Eagles offense found the end zone on 67.8% of red zone trips, which is third in the NFL in red. So zone there offense. you go. Use the big so, play to get into the red zone with AJ and Devante. And then like, and then there's nothing they're going to be able inside to the red it. zone yeah. and it's over. Yeah. And, and I also think there's a world where like Devante and AJ, cause if, you, if, uh, Legereus Sneed is not in this game, their secondary, when they go into a dime package, five out of the six defensive backs are rookies. And how are they in the Super Bowl, Mahomes? Because Mahomes, like that is the greatness <laughs> of Mahomes. And the, but the defense, like they played well against Cincinnati. But the one thing is, it's like the Chiefs haven't played, uh, or they've played since uh, Cincinnati a bunch, right? Four times in the last two seasons. In the last like what year and a half, they've played Cincinnati. They played the Eagles, but a much different version of the Eagles. Yeah, and they're and they're going to struggle against. They, they're also a team that struggles against mobile quarterbacks. I, I think the Eagles offense is going to be fine. And I think the Eagles defense, they're a really good red zone defense. They do a good job of keeping everything in front of them. And I think they have more talent than Cincinnati does. So like, I would say if, if you're, if you're John, Jonathan Gannon right now, you're looking at all of the film from the second half against the chiefs 
And, it, you know, because they scored two touchdowns in the first half of that game. Well, I guess the, the MVS touchdown was in the second half. But for the most part, the Chiefs put up most of their points in the first half of that game. They scored one touchdown in the second half. The Bengals film is what they need to be studying. Yeah. They can't get cute and go man to man with Kelsey. Um, I think you have to kind of let Kelsey get his to an extent and then you can't let MVS beat you, right? Like you, you can't be, and I also think too, like some of the James Bradbury stuff, the game with some of, with some of the plays in that game, when I was watching James Bradbury kind of get cooked, they came in the second half. Like they came when the Eagles were already up. They were looking to hunt for plays. You know, they weren't just sitting back like in this game where we weren't even throwing the ball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to be really disciplined. They're going to have to sit in their spots. They have to keep everything in front of them. And then you just, you can't let MVS beat you because if it's MVS and sky Moore and, and that's it. Oh, that'll make you sick as an Eagles fan. (laughs) Like you just, you, yeah, exactly. Like you cannot lose to that group of talent, even with, Mahomes and Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon, like those dumps out of the backfield. We've seen Kazir White and TJ Edwards play really, really well on that. That's what I mean. Yeah. And Kazir White, I think, like, because Pacheco has done such a good job of tackling. Like, the Eagles linebackers are better than the linebackers in Cincinnati. Uh, And And, apart from a missed tackle, that's the only score that the Niners had. Like, they had that play. Like, well, and I think, too, like, I'm talking more in the passing game because the Chiefs are not going to be able to run the ball in this Eagles team. They're not going to be able to run the ball. So for me, it's like, I don't think the the Eagles might come up in their bare front with five defensive linemen, which would be interesting to see. Um, But either way, Kazir White or CJ Garner-Johnson have both been really good at tackling running backs out in the flat. Um, It's going to be about generating pressure. It's getting Mahomes off of his mark. It's making him feel uncomfortable. Um, So we'll see. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit, still talking Super Bowl, but what has been your favorite and what has been your least favorite storyline so far that has seemingly been like hit over the head and, or is one that maybe people aren't talking about as much from this Super Bowl. Uh, my favorite storyline has to be <clears throat> the, uh, the first time. And I mentioned this last uh, or earlier this week, the two starting black quarterbacks in the, uh, in the Super Bowl, the first time that's happened. Yeah. Like that, that it's, it's gotten a little, you know, it's gotten some play. Uh, throughout the media this week, but man, damn it. If it isn't like one of the coolest things uh, about this, this matchup, because, and, and it's not just that they're, they're two black quarterbacks that happen to be on those teams. These are two elite level talents in the NFL who are going to be one and two, whatever way it finishes in the MVP voting uh, that, that have led their teams all year. Um, and in both cases are, are, a huge part, if not the the biggest part of the reason that they've they've wound up at the Super Bowl. Um, and it's just it's good to see in a league that uh, be careful with your words here, Scott. Good to see in a league that uh, that says they valued that diversity and and now here we are seeing the uh, the fruits of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's impossible not to to love that. I mean, it's I know um, Doug Williams has come out and, and is, he was the first black quarterback to ever play in a Super Bowl um, for the then Washington Redskins. Um, I think it's awesome. I, I, it's, I don't think it can be understated how awesome that is um, for a generation of kids just to, for that to be normal. I mean, we grew up with Jake yeah. DeLome and Tom Brady playing in the Super Bowl, you know, Kurt oh, Warner God. and Tom Brady. <laughs> 
you know, Matt, the Has- Matt Hasselbeck, the snake. And ben, ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> like just the most generic looking white guys you could ever find. And now right. it's these, it's this whole nother generation of, uh, of young players who are out here, you know, doing unbelievable things. And it's, it's, it's a really, really cool story. And, and you make a good yeah. point. You know, it is, it's a league that has somewhat seen less than genuine from time to time about how they value diversity. Right. Um, you know, they say the right things. They don't always do the right things. And I think that's a big part mm-hmm. of it. Um, so it is great. Um, for me, it's my favorite thing has been the um, the story that came, I think it was today, actually. Did you see the story with Julian Love, the giant safety? So Julian no, Love. I just saw the headline. Safety for uh, the New York oh, Giants. The, what he said about Sirianni? Yeah. Said uh, he's been in for a free ride right now because of how talented the Eagles roster. Here's the okay. exact, here's the exact quote. He says, he's a guy who really is doing a good job because he's not getting in the way of his team. He has an experienced yeah. roster from the top to bottom offense, defense. He is in for a free ride right now. And um, wouldn't it be nice to have an experienced team? Also, this is coming from a guy whose city lit up the empire state building in green for the Eagles after yeah. they won. So I don't know. I'm just saying that's a bit of a double standard. It's, it's also, it, it's obviously he was on good morning football. It was obviously, he was trying to make clickbait. He was trying to get his name in the headline. Like he, and oh, he's, but yeah. honestly, he's butthurt, dude. He's, he's fucking butthurt. Yeah. Like think about what Siri, think about Sirianni's <laughs> first press conference as the head coach would, of the Eagles, right? Do you remember how much he got destroyed? Oh, he got, yeah. Because he looked like he <laughs> I, could I remember your brother-in-law, Kenny, coming to me. He's like, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> I mean, I was just listening to Ray Dinger, who, if you know anything about Ray Dinger, is an NFL Hall of Famer um, as a writer and has been covering the NFL since the 1960s. Like, this dude has been around for uh, – he's been around for as long as, as – the NFL has been around. He's an absolute historian of the game. He's from Philadelphia. He's one of the most diehard Eagle sense, but he's also one of the most smart and fair people. And we did a little thing on him when he officially retired for the first time this past May. And he's right. kind of popping out and doing some stuff now as the Eagles are going on this run, because he is like, I always said this, whenever my mom would tell me, like I, she would ask me a, an opinion about sports and then I would say something. She goes, Oh, that's exactly what Diddy said. It would be like, that's like the biggest compliment I could possibly get. Because Diddy was always fair and intelligent. And I was listening to him and he was talking about like when he was hosting on WIP, the amount of people calling in saying, you know what? They made a mistake. We have to fire this guy now. Like get out ahead of it. Like, let's just cut the ties. Right. When he did the whole watering the flower bit where it's like, you know, you know where the flowers, oh sometimes you don't see. <laughs> I'd but, forgotten about that. <laughs> and it's a good, and it honestly is a good analogy. It's yeah. just weird, but he's like, you know, sometimes you don't see the growth going because it's all happening underneath the soil and eventually it'll blossom. Turns out this dude is right. Right. Just because he's not Sirianni. calling play, yeah, yeah. Sirianni. Just because he's not calling plays, doesn't mean he hasn't been like one of the main catalysts as to why this team is successful. It's insane, and Julian Love. You got your ass kicked three times by this Philadelphia Eagles team. Shut the fuck up. Just, yeah. just shut the fuck. When up. I love you're, you're how butt he hurt, and you're looking for for stuff to do, and you know what? Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and piss off Nick Sirianni. Go ahead, see what happens Give when you do that. Cool. Yeah, I dare you. And right? I love what how happened it, to you, uh, what happened to the Niners? Right, the Niners said, "Oh, paper defense." George Kittle called it a paper paper team paper defense. Right on paper, they look good, implying that they were soft. That pissed them off. Don't give this team fodder because if you give them something to well, stew on, it's going to come back in your face. 
first of all, George Kittle is of the wrestling type. So that's in his nature. That's fine. Uh, do that, but woo! do it at your own cost, you know? True. And we did, uh, even though he was the most open guy all game. Um, yeah, stud. George Kittle's a fucking stud. I love George <laughs> Julian, Julian Love. I love how he doubled down on this, too, on Twitter. Because Philly fans don't like this one, but I'm not wrong. <laughs> Players in this league, Philly has dogs on the, on the roster from top to bottom. And then he walks it back. Philly has guys on the roster from top to bottom. They're one of the best teams in the league. All right, buddy. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, and then you're right, and the head coach has about Sirianni. To stick to it. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah. I get out of here with that. Yeah. The head coach has nothing to do with that at all. You're right, Jordan Love. Yeah, you're right. It's entirely about the players. There's nothing to do because we've never seen, Please. you know, because because bad coaches take good rosters at the Super Bowl all the time, right? Fucking clown. Yeah. Were you talking about that when you had fucking Ben McAdoo and, and Pat Shermer and uh, yeah, Joe Judge you as your head coach? Huh? It, well, that's the thing, fucking too. Clown. It's like, yeah, you go you go to a team that that overachieved this year with a with a first year head coach who they did very well. But like, come on, man. Read the room. <laughs> also, hey, that's ignorant as shit, and you're not in the Super Bowl, so please stop. Yeah, like the play, like no, he said they have a talented roster, and he's just doing the best he can he can do. I think it's a players' league, and he's just taking a step back and letting his team play. Yeah, be quiet. So you're saying your coach doesn't matter? <laughs> yeah, you're saying, no, because play calling me, doesn't matter. Telling me the season you had had nothing to do with Nick Dable. With yeah, Brian Dable. Yeah, or yeah, Brian yeah. Dable. Yeah, no, no, had nothing to do it. They kept, nothing they, to do with it. Joe Judge was just as good, right? Because it's a players' league, so it definitely doesn't matter, even though it's the exact same roster. I mean, that's a, a dude's an absolute a terrible asshole. Take. Get out of here. Yeah, people's an absolute asshole. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, what was your? What's been the take? That's uh, that you're or the the storyline that you're kind of like, all right, like I'm, we're ready to move on from this. Um, I haven't had one, man. You know, Pro Bowl week. Oh, oh, well, that's the storyline. I'm not talking about Super Bowl. I'm done with the Pro Bowl week. I'm I'm all in at seven o'clock for these uh, these competition games um, this evening. Those sound amazing, but the AFC quarterbacks. I mean, really, what are we doing with Tyler Huntley, who's 49th in the league in completions well, completion percentage, and yeah. touchdowns? Well, I mean, and like, there's 32 teams in the league. He's 49th in that, and he's the Pro Bowl quarterback for the AFC. Yeah. There are who's been absolutely castrated and cast aside by his team is suddenly being celebrated as the Raiders option as the AFC quarterback. I mean, well, please. it's because Allen and Burrow and, and yes. Herbert, Allen, Her, Herbert and Burrow all pulled out, um, which also shout out to, um, to Joe Burrow, who is playing at, I think it's Pebble beach instead. There's a pro. Yeah, he's doing the pro am. No, Josh Allen's doing that. No, That's Joe sorry. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, Josh Allen is what I meant to say. Um, yeah, the pro am at Pebble Beach is this week. He's playing in that instead. Good for him, by the way. Yeah, no, I mean, I think all of us can relate to the idea of, of skipping out on something for work to go play golf. God, he's going to uh, get murdered by that course. I don't know if you watched the uh, the match with him. He he's going to get demolished by Pebble. <laughs> he can hit it a long way, just doesn't always. Go yeah, straight. but yeah, <laughs> well, that's um, the problem at Pebble Beach, man. Yeah, hey, that's the problem <laughs> for all of us, man. That's the problem for all of us. Uh, yeah, but that that one. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, Tyler Huntley sucks. I mean, I guess you, uh, Kenny Pickett probably should have gotten in over him. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think I it's just because that. he was in a playoff game and they almost won. But yeah, it was a weird. <laughs> it was a just, weird one. On. Um, I don't know so far which. I, I mean, obviously, like I'm just loving all of it. Um, 
I like the Kelsey stuff. I think that's the one that most people are thinking like, all right, that's going to get hammered into the ground. You know what? It was funny. Uh, (laughs) My wife looked at me the other day. I think it was yesterday. And she's like, why don't they let their mom do the, the coin toss at the Super Bowl? That would be awesome. That would <laughs> Wouldn't be that be great? Well, because usually it's like whoever the last veteran from World War II that's yeah, right. still alive does it. But um, you're right. Yeah, probably probably should be Kelsey's mom. That'd be hilarious. Like it's sung with a great take. Um, big fan of that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, it's interesting too, and and it's probably not popular amongst Eagles fans, but the the Nick Sirianni was uh, the wide receivers coach in Kansas City before – uh, Andy Reid took over and then Andy Reid didn't keep him on the on his coaching staff and so now it's like oh you know hey everyone's talking about Andy Reid as that was the head coach of the Eagles you know let's talk about Nick Sirianni was the one who was, uh, the, was a coach on the on the Chiefs and got fired by Andy Reid the revenge like, story yeah I'm like I, I, I guess Andy Reid was in Philly for 13 years for 13 years 14 years you know Nick Sirianni was there for like three as an assistant coach and then yeah a new coach comes in and brings like there's no bad blood there like it's it's like i i like it and if, if anything i think to, there's respect <laughs> yeah like if sirianni comes in and like uses that to his advantage or whatever like sure but like is that it's they're not the same thing like you can't equate what andy Reid did in philly to the three years that you know nick sirianni spent in kansas city as the wide receivers coach it's just not the same if, thing if i'm guessing the pregame in Nick Sirianni's head, it's going to be handshake to coach like to Andy Reid and be like, wow, coach, really glad, like can't be more thrilled to be here coaching on the opposite sideline as you in, in the highest stage. Also, I'm going to kick your old ass <laughs> like that because uh, he, he has too much respect for Andy. I think I think I wouldn't would... say that I'm talking about in his head like this oh, is what head? Nick Sirianni yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, on one side, he's going to be saying, oh, this is great. And then the back of his head, he's like, no, fuck this shit. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine, too, I think Sirianni's going to have that conversation would go if it was brought up, would just be like, hey, you know what? Look, things worked out for a reason. And hey, now I'm in the Super Bowl. You know, I may not be here if it wasn't yeah. for, you know, Andy letting me go and then, you know, finding his way that way. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm so excited. I need I need this. I need it to come, dude. It's like it, at this point, it's if- like. It's Listen, filling my mind up. I need something to do. If you're an Eagles fan, I, I know this is not going to sound great to you at the at the onset, but if you're an Eagles fan, spend one or two dollars on your local charity, which is any of the lo- any sports book you can find, and go bet on the Kansas City Chiefs on no. the spread, so that we can swing that. No. Mahomes oh, so you're good. Just a spread. This exactly. The spread. The Eagles are the favorite now. Mahomes is so good as an underdog. You want to move the spread over Kansas City's way and help you guys out as Eagles fans. One to two dollars to all you Eagles fans listening. I'm just saying. I think they. I think they changed the spread based off total money, not necessarily how many picks or bets are placed on one team or the other. Okay, ten dollars. I mean, how much would you pay for a Super Bowl title, Philly? I'm telling you, it's, it's a good listen. question. It's a good question. It's going to be fun. We got a lot more to talk about. We're going to get in our prop bets probably on Tuesday's pod uh, just to kind of, you know, it's better to get those prop bets in early if you haven't yet. So we'll go through some of that stuff. Uh, and yeah, next week's going to be a lot of previewing the Super Bowl. Obviously if any other NFL news comes along, we'll hit that stuff as well, but yeah, man, we are, we're in the thick of it right now. It is, it is purgatory. Excuse me. It is purgatory. And uh, 
it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, thank you to Scotty and thank you to Vito for hopping on the pod. Lots going to change. And uh, I have a film. There's going to be takes I had today that I'm going to go against later on. Like, that's just that is the mind of a Philadelphia Eagles fan in the, the weeks here waiting for Super Bowl 57. So for the boys, I'm Jeff. Thank you all for listening. We love you so much. And we will talk to you all next week. As always, take it easy, everybody. <laughs>